We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. And welcome in, everybody. Sports Daily, a uh, Reaction Tuesday, as we had the day off yesterday, uh, celebrating the holiday as a company on Monday. So here we are on a Tuesday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing for you. Uh, Welcome in, everybody. We've got a lot to get through since we didn't have you yesterday. So we'll take a look back, sort of get through the headlines of the world as, uh, as the world navigates some travel issues today. Uh, we will have Brandon Zinner coming up in our next segment of 12 News reporting from Memphis on the Liberty Bowl in KU. They've had their own set of issues down there logistically, so we'll get into that with Brandon, see how the Jayhawks are handling the early days of Liberty Bowl preparations there in Memphis. Top of the second hour, we'll have Dan Israel, as we normally do on Tuesdays, to talk Kansas City Chiefs, uh, getting things done, taking care of the Seahawks, uh, showing us some things that I think are very welcome sights as we head down the home stretch here and toward the playoffs. So a lot to get through today. 869-1240 is the number to call. You can find us on social media. Tommy, hope it was a Merry Christmas. How are you this morning? I'm good. It was. Yeah, I had a great time. We've got uh, a little boy, a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and so watching him open all the gifts was great. Now, putting them together hasn't been as much fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a freaking toy factory uh, in our house right now. I know that you know the feeling with that. But uh, overall, it was a good time, and hopefully you had a good Christmas too. Yeah, we did. I, I uh, We had the three young kids. We had Christmas morning. We had breakfast. Uh, you know, it, it was good. It was just, just what you need. I've been also putting things together the last couple of days when I get a few spare minutes. So we're, you know, we're navigating it. We're getting there and having some fun. And uh, and it's now that uh, that time of year we get to the new year. And then the reality of winter slaps us all in the face, and we realize, man, this is going to suck for a couple months here. Uh, get good weather, though, this week. Hopefully all this ice can melt and get thawed out here for at least a few days. That will be very welcome. Welcome nationally, Tommy. I mean, this travel stuff is just insanity. Um, in the busiest travel time of the year, not the, not the day. I think Thanksgiving is a bigger collective day, but you know, collective time over the last couple of weeks – to have the issues and we're seeing stories of you know players hitching rides straight out of christmas movies to get to bowl games and back home from bowl games and riding with strangers or riding with coaches from other teams or whatever it is they're all over the place but 
this is nuts. And you've probably seen the video. You've heard the horror stories. Flights getting canceled. No, you know, rebookings with for like four days. Uh, you know, it's not one of those four-hour things or overnight. We're talking days on days here. The airline industry is going to have a massive mess to clean up now. I don't know what that does long term. I'm Tommy. I'm a Southwest guy. Like I, I'm surprised by this. I, I'm Team Southwest because of its simplicity. It's the airline I choose. But man, they've screwed up big time. And I, this is, whew, what a nightmare nationwide. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, I I feel very very fortunate and very grateful that uh, the the furthest that we had to go around Christmas was like 15 minutes away. Um, yeah, we, we, we've got all of our family right here in Wichita for the most part. Uh, and so it makes it easy, but yeah, watching all the horror stories and the news reports and everything on social media, um, of just the people trying to get home for Christmas and get back from Christmas and all of that, it's no fun. Uh, hopefully things get uh, squared away here pretty soon. Yeah, it's, it's, and you know, for us here, really it's, it impacts travel for these bowl games. You've got K-State and KU playing this week. Um, I, I've seen reporters and stuff have trouble. Uh, we'll get with Brandon Zinner in the next segment. They've got a boil water advisory going on in Memphis, which has required people to move hotels, like all this stuff. So it does impact us here in the sports world too, because we got to get teams places, we got to get fans places in mass, right? Um, and you know, maybe, maybe if you were thinking about flying, you're now thinking about driving. Uh, but it, it does impact everything here. It's gonna. You know, I don't. I we we're getting players to places, but the travel logistics of things for for bowl games are probably going to be a thing because we're going to have stranded players and coaches places. Yeah, yeah. I hope that uh, as we move forward in the next few days, that the whole infrastructure uh, is built up a little bit more, and, and we're able to get people places that they got to go. And uh, reading that story, I think it was what the UTEP coach that drove three players from Pitt to El Paso to be able to be reunited with their team. Um, I mean, it's, it's like right out of a movie. It's like planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, but, hey, uh, the fact that uh, they were able to make it back is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, and then there was a, a kid that hitched a ride with a stranger, kind of like Home Alone, I think, to like Sacramento just by striking up a conversation with, with somebody. You know, there's there are pieces of this, too, that like – remind us of the good of humanity right like everybody would generally speaking when we're all struggling with something collectively that's when we really step it up as humans and take care of each other so those kinds of stories are fun too um hopefully everybody's being nice to the you know to like the airport staff who has nothing to do with this like it's not the it's not the flight attendant's fault it's not the ticket counter person's fault it's not like like take it easy on them take your brunt out on the you know on the people on the other end of the telephone if you've if you've got a vent but Man, what a mess, and uh, glad we're here. Glad that, you know, if I'm able to travel this week, which is the plan, that I'll be driving to do that and avoiding all of this mess. So despite all that, hope hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, got to spend some time with family and friends and, and do those things. All right, Tommy, we've got a lot to, to sort of navigate here because we weren't here yesterday. We have the Chargers clinching their playoff spot last night. So... The NFL, it was uh, it was an interesting week for sure. So in the AFC, right, we have everything settled except for the AFC South between Jacksonville and Tennessee, and that sure looks like it's going to be Jacksonville at this point. 
And then you have a final spot to be decided basically between the three AFC East teams, Miami, New England, and the Jets. Uh, Storylines are plenty among those three teams because Tua Tonga Viola is back in the concussion protocol. Mike White is back under center for the Jets, who are who are done, it seems, with Zach Wilson, uh, which is the right call because at this point, why are you wasting your time? And then the Patriots, who are their own kind of mess. So you've got that in the AFC with the Chargers clinching last night. In the NFC, you have Tampa, who still hasn't locked up the division yet. Um, Carolina can win out and get in. I believe that's the scenario. And New Orleans needs lots of help there. So that's there. Uh, probably whoever wins Tampa Carolina this week is going to get in. Um, then you have the Giants, Washington, Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay all fighting for two spots in the NFC wild card. So there is enough meat on the bone here for the NFL. I, week 17, the or sorry, week 18, the expanded playoff by a spot, and we get more of these storylines and the possibility if you're the NFL, for more meaningful games in the final two weeks of the regular season. This is why they did both of those things, right? Especially the playoff expansion, because now we do. We have good games. You know, games that typically you'd be dealing with, like, sit-outs and all of those things, there are more options for the NFL to get things into the national windows that have value and meaning and are essentially playoff games. That's the goal if you're the NFL. Yeah, I think that the NFC race is infinitely more interesting than the AFC race at this point. Nothing against the teams in the AFC East, nothing against Miami, New England, the Jets. Um, but really, it's the battle in the NFC and those two spots and the teams that can still clinch. And the fact that Tampa Bay uh, could potentially win their division at what with potentially a losing record, while Dallas, on the other hand, will get a wild card spot and have a bunch more wins than Tampa Bay will. And so I I find that interesting for sure. I think that that race, as far as those teams battling for those two wildcard spots, and especially with the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, they're kind of like The Undertaker. They're rising from the dead a little bit. Uh, That whole storyline is so much more interesting than what we're watching in the AFC right now. I agree with that. I think the AFC has become more interesting because the stories within the teams there – I do think Jacksonville's rise and potentially taking down Tennessee is very interesting. Um, I do think that because of the quarterback situations and the way they're unfolding between Miami and the Jets and the New England with their, you know, it, it will be interesting. But what's crazy to me about the AFC is it looked like it was going to it, you know, you know, maybe halfway through the season, it looked like it was going to take 10 wins to get into the postseason in the AFC. Now, probably 500 is going to be good enough. In Jacksonville's case, there is a, you know, there's a chance, I suppose, that, that the AFC South winner could have a losing record too. So we, we expected, right, like these 10-win seasons, but in those last playoff spots, the mediocrity has shown through and been allowed to have a place and I think probably that's a more reasonable expectation in the NFL because think about how many teams, right, that the general public, will call it, ourselves included, or at least myself included, was wrong about, right, and how, how good or bad that they might be. Certainly Tampa Bay fits that mold. Green Bay is probably right where 
I think most people thought they would be, but the Rams, Arizona, right? Detroit, depending on one side or the other, whichever feel you had for them. Seattle, we all thought would be terrible. Um, Washington and the Giants are in. Now all four NFC East teams could potentially reach the playoffs. And at one point we were like, yeah, well, Dallas will get in because the division stinks. Well, no, like all four can get in. That's, I mean, those are the kinds of things that are happening. So maybe it is more reasonable just to say, look, with seven teams getting in, there is probably going to be a team that sort of backs in a little bit. We're seeing it in both conferences this year. And I don't know what the I don't know what the reason for that is. Is it because there are there's more mediocrity? Is it because there are fewer really bad teams this year than we're used to? Or because I think that there are more real playoff, like real, sorry, more real Super Bowl contenders this year. And I mean legitimate Super Bowl contenders than most years when we go to the playoffs. Doesn't it feel that way? Like, I think that there are, I mean, there are probably, well, there are for sure six, right? And everybody knows the six, but I think you have to include Minnesota. I think you have to include the Chargers. I think you might need to, include Green Bay if they make it because of how good they could potentially be in cold weather if they get into those scenarios. Like, there there are a lot of teams that you could look at and say, yeah, I, I could maybe see that team winning a Super Bowl. I mean, there's a, there's also, more than normal. I'm also not ready to, to quite give up yet on the Dolphins. I mean, they need to make it to the playoffs first. But if Tua Tagovailoa is healthy, uh, they are dynamic. We've seen them be dynamic at times. Yeah. Uh, they haven't been recently, right? But I'm not ready to give up quite yet on them if they can make the playoffs because I think they can make a run uh, when they click on all cylinders. You mentioned the AFC and how we thought a while back that all the teams making the playoffs were probably going to have 10 wins. I think there's one team that you can blame for that, and that's the Tennessee Titans. They were 7-2, and two, and all of a sudden they've lost, what, six games in a row, and it becomes super fraudulent. Um, so I think that that's part of it also. The two teams that I, I pulled out my list of all of my division winners and wildcard teams uh, over the weekend, and I was looking at what I had picked at the beginning of the season, the two teams that I was the most wrong about, one in each conference, the NFC, the Rams, which I think that that's fair because they were the Super Bowl champions, right? And so why would you pick for them to miss the playoffs? Uh, but of course, they've been decimated by injuries and, and they've underperformed. Uh, but I picked them to win their division in the NFC. Then in the AFC, for some reason, I don't know why, I don't know what my logic was back in August when we did this. I picked the Colts to win the AFC South. Uh, and they're an unmitigated disaster. So I, I'm not sure why I picked that. Um, but really, other than that, yeah, a lot of the teams that we thought would be good, if not great, I think are there for the most part. It's just a matter of how deep are these teams going to go. In the case of Minnesota, for example, uh, they are what their record says they are. We can talk all day about you know how they've kind of underwhelmed and that sort of thing. They're going to win their division, and they have the opportunity to Make a deep run, I think. So, yeah, I think you have to consider them as a team that's kind of at that that top level as a potential Super Bowl contender. Yeah, well, the Col I think the Colts was reasonable. I don't think there was anything wrong with picking the Colts at the time because they you know looked like a playoff team outside a quarterback for what two years. So uh, that that was fine. Uh, Tennessee was, but it's going to be Jacksonville, I think. 
I don't know. Tennessee lost Tannehill, and they sort of lost their chance. I, I think that they'd be in if they had Tannehill. Um, and Jacksonville's story is cool. I mean, think about the quarterbacks that we're potentially going to have in the AFC playoffs. Just the AFC playoffs. Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, and and Tua, let's say. I mean, are you kidding me? That's fantastic. They're all first-round picks, right? They're all first-round picks. fantastic, though. Like, that is an incredible collection of quarterbacks. Um, and the NFC, not quite the same, right? You'd have Jalen Hurts, who's been great, but Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, uh, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, and Heineke. Uh, there's a difference there, right? Like, that's very interesting to look at. Rodgers may sneak his way in. We don't know. But the the quarterback collection in the AFC playoffs, I mean, come on. That's what you want. Like, that's what you're striving for if you're the NFL is that collection of young quarterbacks. Yeah, and doesn't that give you uh, quite a bit of hope that the AFC for a long time, at least at the quarterback position, is going to be lights out? Uh, we're talking about franchise quarterbacks that the majority of them are super young in Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Herbert, even Tagovailoa. If you you might not want to put him quite at that same level, but uh, I mean th- these guys potentially are going to be around and potentially playoff bound for a long time to come. Yeah, it's I, I think yeah I think we've got to hold off on putting Tua in there just yet. Um, he's he's been pretty Jekyll and Hyde. He's looked like an MVP. He's looked like not that, uh, not even close to that at times. Fourth quarter last week, certainly one of those places he did not look like that, throwing the three picks against the Packers in the fourth quarter. But it's um, it's going to be fun. The NFL playoffs will be a blast. We'll get a little later in the show into where the Chiefs sit and all that with Dan Israel. Quick reaction here, uh, Tommy, to the Chiefs last week, just because we'll we'll talk more about this in a little bit. But, you know, we said... We want to see the defense play better. We want to see them not turn the ball over through these last three weeks. I think I said two turnovers through the final three games would be the limit for me. Uh, and you just collectively against some not great offenses want to see the defense flex a little bit. They did that, right? And Seattle is not a bad offense. Seattle's actually a pretty good offense. Um, and they and they held them to 10 points. They made some plays when they needed to. Their big playmakers stepped up. And we need to see them really dominate, I think, Denver and Vegas in the final two games. And if they do that, I'm not sure if people have Kansas City as the favorite today. Um, I probably do without knowing what Jalen Hurts' situation is. So, you know, factoring in Jalen Hurts' situation, I, I think I would still have the Chiefs in there over even Buffalo. But if they do that in the final two weeks, like if they come out and really dominate those games, because Buffalo has, they go to Cincinnati and they get New England. If Cincinnati can beat Buffalo, I mean, the door is wide open for Kansas City. Um, I think, I think, here's what I'll predict. By the time we get to that first round of the playoffs, whatever the seeding ends up being, I think at that point, the Chiefs are going to become the favorite because I think they're going to play well in these final two games because their opponents stink. And I think it's going to leave a really good taste in everybody's mouth. And Mahomes will probably play his way through an MVP, again, depending on Hurts. But at that point, everyone's going to say, yes, their defense is playing pretty well. And maybe it is a product of who they're playing, but that'll be the perception, I think, one way or the other. 
I think you can book it right now, in my opinion. I think Cincinnati is beating Buffalo this weekend, and I think Kansas City will be able to uh, control their own destiny for that number one seed. I mean, Cincinnati looks I love really, Cincinnati. really complete. They look really I, I love them, but they've struggled the last two weeks and sort of, you know, they found a way to win the games, right? But they almost blew it to both. They were got down big in Tampa. Now, that one was a more impressive win because they stormed back. What did they get down, like 17 to nothing and then outscored yeah. 34 to 6? But they yep. almost and probably should have gotten beat by New England in New England. They got pretty lucky of a fumble there late in the game from a guy who doesn't fumble it. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, going back to Kansas City, though, quick reaction. I know we're going to talk about it more later on in the show, but Kansas City showed me everything that I wanted to see from them, everything I had been critical about uh, a week ago that I felt was justified, that the lack of you know defensive explosiveness the fact that they were able to drop back in coverage and then be able to still get pressure on geno smith the fact they didn't turn the ball over and that they've been much maligned in that area and harrison butker kicked a pretty good game i was concerned about that going into this weekend too all in all they showed me everything that i wanted to see from them i feel i feel good about where they stand right now going into the final two games of the year yeah it's um and they just they get two very winnable, big winnable games like that they could dominate in. It's gonna happen. It's gonna they're gonna become the favorite. Whether they get home field, I'm not sure. Obviously, that depends on Buffalo Cincinnati game of the week this weekend should be a blast. Love that game. Cannot wait for that game. Maybe game of the year uh, as they're both trying to position themselves to the playoffs. They should go full strength at it. But we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Eight six nine twelve forty when we come back. We're going to have Brandon Zinner reporting to us from Memphis as KU gets ready for the Liberty Bowl. Uh, We've got K-State coming up in the Holiday Bowl uh, later in the week. So we'll have more on that a little later in the week. But we'll take a look at KU, focus in on the Jayhawks when we return on Sports Daily. Okay, take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily on a Tuesday, a reaction Tuesday of sorts, but a Tuesday of Bowl Week, a Tuesday on the eve of the Liberty Bowl, a Tuesday on the eve of a KU Bowl game for the first time in a long time. Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster with you here on Sports Daily. We're joined now from Memphis, Tennessee by 12 News reporter Brandon Zenner. Uh, Brandon, welcome in. I hear, like the rest of the world, that uh, some travel issues have arose there in Memphis. Let's start there. Uh, pull into town to quite a mess, huh? Brandon, welcome in, man. Uh, talk, talk about we had a, we had a mess there in Memphis as you pull into town. What what's the what's the view on the scene on the ground there in Memphis as we get ready for the? Yeah, so since. Uh, it looks like it happened right before the weekend with obviously the freezing temperatures coming across the country, uh, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, it's really taking a toll uh, on 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 the water here in Memphis. Uh, there were have been over 20 water main breaks and, I mean, even more leaks that uh, have been reported uh, throughout the city's water system. So uh, they have been under a boil water notice 
since before the weekend. Um, it is still active, and uh, it sounds like they anticipated to go through the remainder of this week and into the weekend. Um, so that has obviously affected the hotel situation, first of all. I mean, obviously more issues than just hotels. But we get to the hotel yesterday, and they tell us that all the media – uh, reservations have been canceled. They're looking at trying to move us to a different hotel. It sounds like other people did get to most other places, other hotels. We eventually do get settled in here. Um, but the, there's questions about it. If the game is going to happen, the Liberty Bowl comes up and says there's no problems. There is going to be a game still happening on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, just there, there's places that are closed down. Uh, the inside of the restaurants are closed down. Only drive through or only catering right now. Um, so, yeah, M- Memphis, uh, they are going through some issues right now. So, Brandon, we know that obviously the, the whole water and freezing temperature issue has impacted, you know, fans coming in, media, all of that. Is there any sort of impact to the players, the, the coaches, the, the staff uh, as they're preparing for this game? Uh, or is this something that largely is only impacting uh, whether it's media or fans or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's impacting the the players too much. I think they're just being they're being cautious and being uh, aware of it. We were talking with Kenny Logan yesterday, and uh, he joked that uh, he was in the middle of brushing his teeth when he looked down and saw his phone, and and the, someone on the the staff had had texted the players uh, about it that hey, don't be drinking the water that's going on while he's brushing his teeth. Um, but I mean, but they all were walking around with with bottled water yesterday that was provided during our interviews and. Um, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue, um, but we still have another day to go until the game. So, how, how is the team doing right now? We, uh, you were reporting yesterday on 12 News, was sort of about the challenge of the SEC. Um, I, I think that dynamic always exists, and it especially exists for a team like KU who hasn't had the opportunity to do that and play games like this very often. And there sits Arkansas, right? Arkansas sits there as a team that was at one point this year, very highly rated. We know they're going to be talented. Um, And they seem pretty motivated to play too. So it's all there for KU to make a statement. Do they feel like they're ready to make a statement? Oh, especially going back to to Kenny Logan. This is the guy who just, uh, just a late last week, he announced, he's coming back to Kansas and uh, we talked to him a little bit about that decision yesterday. And, and he, he said, yeah, you see the direction this program is heading that, that made me want to come back and want to be a Jayhawk. And uh, that's, that's a guy who told me he, he, he wants to get a win going, going out of the season and Billy momentum in the off season. That's what Jalen Daniels said. That is what uh, Devin Neal said. I mean, these guys, the, yeah, it's cool to be able to, be the first team to go to a bowl game but they don't they don't seem like they have the attitude of yeah they just want to come here and they want to play a game they they want to win and they want to prove that uh that five minute start that they had that's the that's the kansas team that that is here this week and um they they sound as fired up as uh, as they could be brandon there had been some speculation among the fan base for a while uh leading up to this game that there was at least a small chance that Daniel Highshaw could play in this game. Of course, dynamic running back for the Jayhawks who went down with a, a hip injury uh, earlier in the season. Looks like, according to Lance Leipold, he's not going to play. Uh, but as far as injuries are concerned, any other updates that uh, you're aware of from there in Memphis? 
Uh, no, it doesn't seem like there are uh, are there too many. Uh, Kenny Logan, he has been limited. He was uh, he was seen wearing a walking boot um, pretty recently. He was walking around. Looks like he was fine yesterday, but uh, looks like Kansas should be at a full go, and um, it seems like they should have all hands on deck uh, for this game. Uh, if all hands are on deck, what do you think their chances are, Brandon? As you look at Arkansas and where they've been, what you know, what what do we think about KU's chances in this spot to go down? And and I think it would surprise everybody if they were able to get this win. Yeah, I mean, with Kansas, if they're if they're offense that we that we know, the one that can put up thirty eight points that we got to see multiple times this season, if that offense shows up. Um, then I think they have a chance to win this game. I think that's going to be high scoring. I can see both teams getting into the 40s. I don't think it's going to be a 21-17 ball game. Kansas, if they're going to be able to go out and light it up with Jalen Daniels, they, they seem focused. They seem like they've had a couple really good weeks of practice, and this is a team that's fired up. Um, and and can't, Arkansas is definitely a team that you can exploit. Uh, their defensive flaws, they're not very good at the secondary. Um, and, and Kansas has some electric receivers they obviously can use uh, the tight ends as well uh getting over the, the middle of the field and if i think kansas is going to have an opportunity to light up that scoreboard so what is going on there in memphis um kind of bring us to the scene down there before we let you go what what have you seen outside of the you know weather issues and what's on tap i've been there i know how fun it is what what's going on around there in the fanfare for the bowl game yeah, it, yeah, it is a, a really cool city. We were uh, out and about last night and saw uh, a lot of a lot of people wearing uh, wearing the Jayhawk colors. They have their their KU gear on as uh, as we're settling in the hotel last night, and then uh, see Arkansas people out and about as well. Um, and, and signage up all over the place. They're, all, they're very very uh, excited. The fans are. It seems like there's going to be a pretty good turnout. And then. Um, Today we have a uh, parade that's going to be going on down on Beale Street for both the teams, uh, kind of welcoming in. There was uh, team pep rallies last night, uh, so so fan bases could welcome in their teams. And then uh, teams are finishing up practices uh, yesterday, and uh, so kind of today is going to be the the last bit of prep. And um, so, so yeah, just just a just a little bit more build up today. The the fans get to see the team in the city a little bit more out and about and. Uh, yeah, it, it's feeling real, and uh, it's, it's going to be a, last couple, a fun last couple hours. And it seems like everybody's really excited, and I know I'm excited to, to get, in that, get in that stadium and uh, see these two teams uh, tangle tomorrow. All right, let's look ahead a little bit on, uh, on your 12 News coverage tonight. What's on tap? What do you guys have in store for folks on the air this evening? Yeah, going to gonna talk uh, more about uh, just, just what we talked with the players about yesterday with uh, what a win would mean for for this program. It, it, everybody wants to go into the off season, finishing on a high note from from where they started. Then obviously those that won in the middle of the season, we wondered if they were even get to a bowl game uh, after starting five and zero. They finally are here, and so a lot of the players talk just about uh, what it would mean to go into the off season uh, with a victory. And then uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the matchup and. Uh, kind of what Kansas is going to be able to do against Arkansas. And then also, the, as I said, the, the street, uh, the Beale Street Parade is going to be going on this afternoon. So we're going to get out there. We're going to talk to some Jayhawk fans, talk about why it's important uh, that they come out here to support Kansas, their first trip to a bowl game since 2008. 
Um, so, yeah, we're going to have all that tonight uh, for you tonight on 12 News. And then, uh, obviously, we'll be out here again tomorrow for, for some game coverage. And we'll bring that to you all week. And then we've got the Sugar Bowl as well. So, yeah, busy time for us. Yeah, it is. Uh, Sugar Bowl coverage begins later this week. Brandon has you covered, though, uh, from Memphis there. You can follow Brandon at KWCH Brandon. You can see his reporting tonight on 12 News. Uh, Brandon, good luck with the with the water situation out there. We'll look forward to those reports and get ready for the game tomorrow. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Tommy. All right, there goes Brandon Zinner. Uh, follow his work uh, throughout the day here and tomorrow and probably the next day as well and then make it back and then we'll uh, shift gears and look ahead to the Sugar Bowl. We'll come back. We'll continue to react to the sports world. Nathaniel Hackett out in Denver. Are we surprised and is it a salvageable job for a big name coach? We'll discuss that when Sports Daily continues. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back in. Uh, just an aside here, Tommy. Just saw a really funny tweet from somebody named Coach Vass on Twitter, making fun of Matt Rule. <clears throat> Matt Rule putting out a quote from Nebraska saying, "If somebody wants to come here just to make money and and get nil help, that's not really what I'm looking for. I want somebody to come be a part of the family." And this person on Twitter said, "I wonder if he'd." Have, I wonder if he'd have come to Nebraska to be a part of the family for about $40 million less than what he took. <laughs> and that's exactly right. 
Like, if I never hear another coach complain and whine about NIL, I'll be a happy camper. Like, Did you, you gotta be quiet unless you're willing to, uh, unless you're willing to take a pay cut too. Like, get out of here with that business. Did you see the uh, the quote, the actual legitimate quote from the press conference? I think it was last week, or maybe it was even the week before of Dabo Sweeney. Did you see oh, that from God. from Clemson? He he's up at the podium and he's talking. To, there was some question about NIL, and uh, his answer was like, and I'm gonna butcher it i think but he said something to the effect of we built this program on nil but not the nil you're thinking of it's uh we built we built the program on god's name image and likeness or something like that i mean it was something about like building a like a religious culture within the clemson program and not about the nil that everybody else is thinking of and i just thought what are you what are you talking about dude like this is this is crazy it, it is, and he's I, – I like Dabo Sweeney, and he's a character guy, and that has mattered for him in that program. But, you know, one of your headline guys is Deshaun Watson right now, and, like, yeah. you know, it, you, you just – that that can – they can both exist, right? Just like they do sure. for coaches. Dabo can get paid gobs and gobs and gobs of money and still value those things, right? Yeah. So great. can a player. A player but can so, still go to so Clemson corny. to value those things and – so corny. Yeah. I, yeah, like these coaches whining about it. Like, come on, guys. Like, then take a pay cut. Then take a pay cut. Because um, and college is a little bit different, but it's not that much different than pro sports where there's a reason players get paid a whole lot more than coaches, right? And pro coaches know why, because players win. And in college, guess what? Players win. And yeah, there are some coaches that are critical, and maybe in college it's more. But but get over it. Like get you like that that day's done. Figure out how to navigate it. Stop whining about it, and either play the game or get played. Right. That, that that's pretty simple. Like do it the yeah. right way. Create some opportunities for your young people. Why would you not want these young people to have the ability to 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 earn based on their own abilities? Like get. Out of here. I can't stand it, but I laughed. I saw that uh, from Matt Rule. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like, you, you, you can't. No, Nobody's buying that anymore. Like, nobody's – this old school eh, – maybe people are. I, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of people that still buy it, but whatever. We're, we're, we're past that. Um, Tommy, Nathaniel Hackett's out. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised they didn't let him finish the year. I think the margin of that last loss to the Rams – is it I do think that it's the move to make because you can't cut bait yet on Russell Wilson most importantly financially but Russell Wilson's trying to do things this year that don't fit Russell Wilson's style really so yeah most of the blame goes to Russell Wilson but I think there's plenty of game blame that goes to Nathaniel Hackett for not trying to do something to put Wilson back in the mold that we've seen him be successful in at least like Denver's offense right now. Like if it nothing else, you run the ball and you let Russell Wilson try to throw bombs. That's what he did in Seattle forever. And, and I don't, and, and this is the problem. I don't care what Russell Wilson wants to do. You got to tell him, Hey, this is what we're going to do or we'll bench you. Like if you can't, get on board with what we want from you. Like you're going to get benched because what they're trying to do now and, and, you know, put him in this mold of what he's never been before in his career isn't going to work. The let 
Russ Cook thing isn't going to work. So you got to let the running game cook and let Russell Wilson then throw bombs, scramble around a little bit, let those talented receivers get open down the field, and then let one of the great deep ball throwers we've ever seen in the NFL, if he still can do that, which I'm not sure, at least try that because the short and intermediate stuff, that ain't it, and that's not going to work. You better change that quick, and it just didn't feel like Nathaniel Hackett was willing to do that. My biggest question, though, with the Broncos moving forward is, who the hell are you going to get? Who's going to want yeah. that job? Uh, and and it, I mean, I, I, I know that there will be somebody, right, that there's always, there's always going to be a pool of candidates. But if there is a coordinator out there or a former head coach trying to get back in or something like that, uh, I'm not sure that there are a lot of the really top tier guys that would want that job to want to go in and take on a declining Russell Wilson and a team that has zero draft capital. And a team that if you cut Russell Wilson, you've got tons of dead cap for years to come. They're in a position, they've mortgaged their future, and they've hitched their wagon to the Russell Wilson star, which is falling. And so, yes, there are game management decisions that Nathaniel Hackett made throughout the season that 100% contributed to his dismissal over the weekend. That's just a fact. And the team did not perform in a way that... Uh, would make it make you have a lot of confidence in him running the franchise moving forward. That being said, I'm not so sure that you're going to get somebody worth their salt to come in there and take on the dumpster fire that's the Broncos. Yeah, well, I, there's, I think there's two trains of thought here. I think you can either, and I think only one of those works well. You either have to, you have to get somebody with a bigger name than Russell Wilson, and then that allows you to sort of do whatever you want with Russell Wilson, Do that, let, allow that coach to do whatever they want with Russell Wilson. And honestly, that's probably the way to go here if you're but the new who ownership is that? group. I mean, you got any well, names in mind? And, and I mean, John, I, uh, Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, like it's going to be you know one of the big names. Those guys aren't only, taking that job. They're, they're well, not going to go work with Russell Wilson and have no draft picks. If they have no, here's the here's the the if if those guys if you pay them enough and and I don't know that this is the way they're going to go either, but if you paid them enough to say, look, you're going to have the time to navigate the Russell Russell Wilson situation, and you're going to have the freedom to do whatever you want with Russell Wilson, then I think you create some ability because Denver's not an untalented roster top to bottom. Like they still have some pretty good players. Um, they've got a decent line, right? Javante Williams comes back. We know their defense when they were playing for something had the ability to be pretty good. Sertan's good. Like they have, they have some pieces there. It's just so bad at quarterback right now. And the team has fallen apart that if you gave one of those premier coaches a ton of money and the autonomy to do whatever they see fit with Russell Wilson, that may be the only way to salvage it, but it's not going to be salvaged for the next two or three years. The other option is to give some young offensive savant a shot here or maybe go find somebody that had coached Russell Wilson at some point that had some success. I mean, I've heard, I think Zach Gelb on these airwaves keeps pointing to Dan Quinn, but I just don't think that there's any way because at that point you're you're just asking somebody to come be a sitting duck while they while they absorb the Russell Wilson contract. The only thing is this new ownership group does not seem to 
be satisfied with that option. So if you're going to try and salvage it within the next two or three years, I do think the only way to try to do that is a big-time head coach that's a bigger name than Russell Wilson. Right, and I just don't think that that's going to happen. And it's not necessarily the lack of them wanting to pay somebody. I think that they would. I think that new ownership group has enough money to do that. I just don't think one of those guys is going to want to come to Denver and take on that mess that he would be inheriting. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see them just promote a a current coordinator, at least for next season, Um, because you're you're not getting out of the Russell Wilson contract. It's not going to happen. And if you do, then you are setting your franchise back multiple years. This is not a short-term fix this is not a situation where i don't care if you're sean payton if you're jim harbaugh if you are dan quinn an up-and-coming coordinator a current member of the staff this is not something that can be fixed in one year because simply put of the decision to give up everything to bring in russell wilson and sign him to a huge contract and so i i think that this is going to be Really intriguing to watch, not just this offseason, but in the seasons to come to see how this ownership group, the general manager and whoever they hire tries to navigate this and rebuild the team. It's going to be difficult to do. Yeah, I I do think it can be better than the Wilson Nathaniel Hackett thing. So how how good can it can a moderately talented roster be if if somebody's able to get something more than this year out of Russ? I guess that's the question. And and, and a young coach will take the opportunity. They always do um, if, if it presents itself. So we'll see. Um, I, it's an interesting situation and one that, man, even if you didn't think it was going to work, I don't think anybody saw it going this poorly. 869-1240. We'll get Dan Israel. We'll talk some Chiefs on the other side of this break. Sports Daily rolls on on a Tuesday. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.